Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Willa Lowe. Willa had a near-death experience where she became an orb. And today we're going to learn about it. Willa, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for hosting me and thank you for creating this platform to share our experiences and to your audience who loves hearing our stories. Well, thank you for that. Okay, Willa, if you don't mind, can we start on the day your near-death experience happened? Sure. It's a while back. It was the year of 2007 in March. My introduction is going to be a bit long, but it keeps on adding to the story. So I was in my final high school year. I was like, it was a Tuesday evening. I was lying in bed, wondering what excuse I could use not to go to school the following day to catch up on my study work. And from two o'clock in the morning, I started having um, abdominal pain. And I thought, this is not what I had in mind. And as the time progressed, the pain got more severe and severe and severe. And here about five o'clock, I couldn't take the pain anymore. So my parents at that stage were very active cyclists and they woke up and I told them, listen here, I've got very bad pain in my abdomen. I don't know what's going on. And they told me, you know, it's probably just a little wind that's stuck in between um, it will move out, nothing serious. And they went on to the exercise routine. And while they were away, I couldn't walk properly anymore. So I crawled to my sister's room and this told her, could you please help me get to the loo as I cannot walk anymore. And she's like, no, something is very wrong. And she phoned her them to come back. And they couldn't come back because I was riding in the club. And my sister ended up taking me to the doctor because it's not an emergency, nothing seriously happened. So I just went for a regular checkup, came to the doctor's office. They did a urine test and saw that there's a very bad infection in my urine. So they said they need to submit me into hospital. So this was the Wednesday morning. Bearing in mind, I didn't want to go to school. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yay, I'm getting more than one day off. Mm. And as I was at the doctor's office, I did the urine test and they said that the infection rate is way too high. So they sent me for a sonon, x-rays. All my organs basically showed that there was highly infection. It was swollen. But everything was in place. Every organ that could give a problem didn't show any cause of concern so they submitted me into a hospital so they can do further tests maybe I had an infection maybe I had a virus they didn't know what's causing it so by Wednesday afternoon I was starting to swollen very bad 
I looked like someone that was 10 months pregnant. They changed my pajamas twice the day for bigger sizes. Nothing could fit me. And I was in severe pain. The pain got worse. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink anything. I couldn't sleep. And on the Thursday morning, I started turning yellow. And they did more blood tests, more tests, MRIs, nothing showing um, for the infection that's going on and the high temperature fever I'm running. And as that progressed, my doctor at that time thought they need to bring in a specialist to evaluate me. And the specialist was only available the Friday morning at 6 o'clock. And the doctor came in on Friday and he looked at me. Bear in mind, I am as yellow as you could be. I'm highly swollen and in severe pain. And the doctor or the specialist said, it doesn't add up. Nothing makes sense. Um, there's no sign of my appendix being in trouble, my kidneys being in trouble, my liver being in trouble, my intestines being in trouble, my stomach being in trouble. There's um, definitely infection, but nothing concerning something like a kidney stone or anything like that. So he touched my feet the Friday morning and I almost kicked him from pain and I screamed like an... Jeff, it was a scream that you could probably hear where you are. Hmm. And the doctor said, I need to get into you now. He didn't tell me what's wrong because he didn't know what's wrong. And he said, but this hospital currently doesn't have the equipment to operate in me or on me what they needed to do and because they don't know what they're going to find. They don't know what's the problem. And so I was basically rushed in my sister's car after the doctor because our ambulances are very slow on response time. And as I came into the hospital, you know, normally there are forms to be filled in. And as I got into the entrance, then my bed was already ready for me. The sisters took me onto my bed. I had my drip in my hand, could barely move. They rushed me into an old lady's room. I won't forget that ever. And to undress me, to get me in my operational um, outfit, this old lady is like, don't worry, my dear, you will be fine. And at that time, I was like, but what's going on? I'm going in for emergency operation. I don't know what's wrong. They're asking me questions. I don't know what to tell them. And as the sisters are trying to get me into my outfit for the operation, the doctor came in screaming and yelling at these nurses, tell them there's no time, just get her in the operation room. And I'll, I won't forget it, as you go into the hospital operation room, there's normally 10 or 12 patients lined up as one goes in, and comes out, the second patient goes in and out until the doctor is finished with his daily operations. And the one lady that was the first patient to be operated on was already in the operating room. 
And I said, sorry, we're pushing you out. We have an emergency. And at that time, I was in severe pain. And I saw these people just look at me with these bright, big eyes. You know, what's going on? You know, young girl, there's no blood, no emergency. And as I came into the operational room, I didn't have my gown on. And they put me onto the table. And the anesthesiologist, I believe that's the right name, the sleeping doctor, told me, listen, you watch your weight because I was severely swollen. They couldn't get my weight. And I said, I don't know. And he's like, I'm going to do the gas so that it's better to monitor you instead of the liquid they normally inject you with. And I say, well, whatever. So it's work for you guys. You're the professionals. Just do what you have to do. And this is where my near-death experience really happened. I had previous operations, and it's normally a deep sleep where you don't dream or don't see anything, you don't hear anything. And it was about 15 minutes, and I woken up during this operational situation. And all that I could see around me was this fluorescent white light. The light was so bright, I can't describe the whiteness in our language. It's brighter than white. And I was so calm in this orb, this environment. And as I looked everywhere around me, I just could see the whiteness. I couldn't see my arms. I couldn't see my nose. I couldn't see my body the white light. And before I went onto the operational table, I was anxious as you can't believe. You don't know what's going on. You don't don't know what's wrong with you. And in this environment, I was so calm. I was so relaxed. Um, The feeling was just so amazing, wonderful. And I remember while I could see this white light, I could hear the doctors and the nurses and the beeping machines, and I could hear how they operate on me. And I heard the doctor, this isn't right, but he was in a real frantic, panic state of mind. He was like, this isn't right, this shouldn't be. Um, What am I going to do? She's going to die. Um, you could hear the stress, but as I could hear this anxious stress, concern that he had in his voice, I could actually see him, but I didn't physically see him. I could see him in his sound. It's a very weird description or experience to describe to someone. And I could see the nurses while they talk to the doctor and help him. And I could yeah, all of these little things going in. And then I went back into the white light, basically the orb, and relaxing and enjoying and know that I'm busy with an operation and focusing on this white light. And it was just so amazing, Jeff. I can't tell you exactly what word I know that can actually describe 
crop this. And during he, while the doctor was busy, I could hear the appendix and I hear that there's infection and I could hear this is bad, um, this is going to happen. So I went back again and this doctor you could hear is racing against time and screaming, we're losing her. And the nurses is like, no, we can do this. What about this? Um, this extra blood, you know? And I could hear how they are struggling to keep me alive because I know it's at that point where I'm physically going to pass away. And I went back again and I listened to him and he said, but my appendix had thorn and with a thorn it wasn't a normal tear that you will have with an burst appendix it was a random freak environment and all that fluid went into my entire system in my organs hence the reason I was swollen yellow all the infection and as this doctor is panicking and going crazy, I was at ease. That white light calmed me. I didn't think of, you know what, my life was so short. I was 18 at the time. I didn't think I've got this whole life ahead of me. I was so captured by this white light, this white orb, that I enjoyed that. I didn't really think, but what if I die? I didn't think of any of my siblings. I didn't think of my life, things like that I didn't accomplish or my dreams that I didn't complete. And as this doctor is so anxious and panicking with the staff and the monitors went from a normal beeping to a beep, 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 beep. It was chaotic. I don't know how an operation room normally is, but for me in that listening that I did, it was chaotic. And on the opposite, I was so relaxed and enjoying this bar. And then the strangest thing happened. Um, while the doctor is like, I could see by hearing how he is plundering and pushing and scrubbing and looking and going crazy inside of me, this doctor random doctor came walking into the operation room and as he walked in all the nurses all the doctors looked at him the operation room became dead quiet the monitors stopped beeping there was no sound on any earthly equipment if you could hear the voices the breathing of the personal personal person sorry sisters in the operational room and the doctors you could hear or see them breathing and this doctor very told this specialist what to do he said do this don't remove the gallbladder her body's going to need everything possible to recover from this do this remove this rather approach it like that way and he gave them clear instructions on what to do medical terms which was out of this world and he left 
And for two seconds, well, in my orb that I was, it was two seconds. I don't know whether or not it was two or two minutes. He walked away and I could see how the nurses and the doctors and the sleep doctor is looking at everyone into the room that you guys just witnessed this. And they were pondering of what really just happened. And they went back to what they were doing. And the specialist operating on me did exactly as what that doctor did. Because while he was listening, his mind, I could see, yes, it makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. Everything that mysterious doctor said to him in his mind, in his education, made sense. And he started to apply that and do that. And eventually I went back into the wild, all just enjoying this environment. It felt like four, five weeks for me. It was a very long time. Um, I didn't miss anyone. I was just so at peace. I was so captivated by this emotion, this energy in this orb. And so by then, I knew what was wrong with me. Um, Pre-orb, I didn't know what's my diagnosis, what's wrong, what are they going to find. And I heard the doctor came out and tell, or not come out, um, while he just finished up. He said, well, this is the best that I could do. She's now in God's hands. And they stitched me up. And the weirdest thing is I heard, okay, I'm going out. And my spirit, if I can say it like that, was like lying on the beach with your arms behind your back waiting for someone to come and tell you the news and you want to say I told you and that's how I felt so while they were pushing me out of the after operation room the recovery room I was basically in my spirit if I can say it like that lying with my arms crossed behind my back with crossed legs waiting to speak to the doctor And they pushed me into a single room with six beds because I was still at high risk due to the septicemia from the burst appendix or torn appendix and all the infection. So at any given time, anything could happen. I could go back into a relapse. And as I was pushed into this hall, My uncle was sitting next to me and I saw him without being awake yet that he's sitting there reading newspaper or magazines. And as I came back after the sleep, the doctor told me, you know, we almost lost you. And I was like, yes, doctor, I've heard that. He's like, you heard it? I'm like, yes, I was there. He's like, but could you feel anything? I'm like, no, but I know everything that happened. And he asked me, but do you have another doctor on your file, on your case that came to visit you or 
anyone that's familiar with your diagnosis or situation, I'm like, no, doctor. And he's like, no, the strangest thing happened. I'm like, yes, yeah. so there came a doctor into the operating room telling you what to do and you wanted to re- remove my gallbladder. And he told you not to remove it because I'm going to need it or my body's going to need it to fully recover from all this poison and toxins in my system. And he's like, okay, so me confirming that they saw the doctor was a bit concerning for them. And anyway, so the doctor went back into doing completing his operations for the day. And that evening, about five o'clock, he came back. He's like, are you sure you saw the doctor? I'm like, I didn't physically see him, but I could hear him. And I, in my mind, I had a picture of how he would look like. Um, but I I've never seen anyone else except for you and my other doctor from the other hospital. And he's like, but Bella, there's no picture of him entering the OR on any of the security cameras and I'm like well you heard him everyone in the room heard him I heard him I knew he was there and he's like but that's a funny thing during that time when he came into the operation room everyone stopped what they were doing and looking towards this door where this doctor stood giving them instructions on what to do. So everyone witnessed this strange doctor. And me being from South Africa or anywhere else, a doctor entering an operational room is a major security concern. So they went all over looking for evidence for this doctor that came into an operating room while there was an operation taking place. And I'm like, well, if you guys saw him, I heard him, he helped you, he made sense, you did what he said you must do, and here I am still breathing. And it's actually quite funny the days after the surgery, as the news went throughout the hospital, the sisters and doctors will come through to me and say, like, are you the girl with the mysterious doctor? And I'm like, yes. And everyone was like, but were you awake during the surgery? I'm like, no, not like awake how you would explain it, but this is what I saw and how I experienced it. And the sisters and the nurses and the other doctors were so intrigued by this phenomenal experience that they had. Willa, that was an amazing experience. Thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. At any time, did you see what was going on in the surgical room or did you always just hear it and you were seeing the light? I saw the light, Jeff. It's a very, very complex explanation. I'm going to try to explain it the best that I can. It is, if you take a balloon that's see-through and you put it into a room, you can see all the equipment, all the people around you. That's how it was. So, If I didn't pay attention on the realm of the reality in the operation room, I just saw the white light. 
But if I went and my attention caught what they were talking about, I could see the nurses. I could see the monitors. I could see everything around me. But in all honesty, that around me didn't pull my attention. I was more focused on this white light. Mm. And as I was in this light, I could hear how they were talking. But as they were talking, that voice, I could see that it's like seeing something that doesn't exist. I could see this, what they were speaking. I could hear the emotion, like sadness or concern that you would normally see in someone's face. I could hear that as an emotion. So it's kind of like you felt like you were floating in a bubble of white light. Would you Basically, say? Basically, yes. And then at sometimes if you wanted to, you could actually see the monitors or see the nurses or see the doctors, but you were more interested in the light. So you would go back to looking at the light. Yes. As the light was so calming, so warm, so loving, so energetic the energy of it was just so unbelievable undescribable um that what happened in the um operation room with the sisters and the doctors and the monitors and my body it didn't intrigue me i didn't that i wasn't interested to looking at that were you sent back or did you decide to come back or did you just all of a sudden pop back in your body? I didn't have the option to go as many other NDE experiences had. I wasn't asked a question. I wasn't told that you're going to come back. I knew that I'm going to be in this lot. If I die, I'm going to be with this lot. If I'm coming back, I will be back into my body. But as the surgery came to an end, at that time, I wasn't fully back in my body as my spirit, if I can say it like that, was still awake. I was lying and waiting for the doctor to come and see me because I knew I had a torn appendix. And I told him that. And he was like, but how do you know that? There's no writing on it. And I told him, you said it. And that's how I heard it. So, So, yeah, I believe it was for me. I had to experience that calm, leave, whiteness to associate death with. But I believe also the team had to witness this Just to be clear, for me at least, so you're saying that after the surgery was over, you were with your arms crossed and you were behind your body or sitting next to your body or were you back in your body? I was almost in my body, but I wasn't fully in my body. But the moment when my physical eyes opened, I was back into my body. So you were kind of almost there. You were kind of waiting for the doctor. And then as soon as you opened your eyes, then you were all the way back. Yes. And I was fully aware of what happened in the operational room, Mm. which really freaked them out. Mm. Yeah, I bet. 
Do you feel like that doctor that came in and gave the instructions was an angel? I believe so, yes. I think definitely. Did anybody at the hospital ever make that assumption? Some of the medical staff did, yes, but not immediately. They wanted the evidence. And as a professional in the medical fields, people believe in white and black. They, if they can see a tumor, it's cancer. If they can't see a tumor, it's not cancer. But in the other realm, if there's no tumor, it still can be cancer, mm-hmm. to say it like that. And the doctors, for the first time, was more concerned about the security breach of this yeah. doctor entering. And as they were looking to find this person that entered without permission, the more they couldn't find any trace. They asked their sisters that walk in the operation hall if they saw a doctor with this description. They went looking everywhere, like for searching for a missing person. You know, they eventually had to come to a resolution that this was an angel or a different type of entity or some sort of influence from out of the world, perhaps from God, anything. They Mm. couldn't pinpoint it. This is such a sensational story. Has this story been known throughout your city? No. Strangely enough, when it happened, it was the talk of the town. And back then, I didn't take much notice of my near-death experience. I didn't see it as a near-death experience. I thought that maybe it's just a random thing that happened. And now in the previous or the short while, people have contacted me and asking me, have you had a near-death experience? And he's like, You need to get it out there. People need to hear your story. And I believe that everything that happens in your life is bound to be in a box to be opened at the right time. And I believe to share my story with you, it will find the right ears for the people out there. Did this experience change you in any way? Yes, it did. Um. I had two other near-death experiences when I was a toddler, but I couldn't read. There was no memory, nothing. I basically died and came back. I drowned twice and they resuscitated me, but I didn't see anything. If I did, I can't remember it. But since then, I could see into the spirit reality. Um, I could see death-following people. And... I always saw death falling in a white orb or white figure behind a person or an animal. And it never made sense to me until I put one and two together. Everyone thinks that death is such a sad, cruel experience, must be a painful situation. 
And the white light that I experienced during my near-death experience, it showed me that death is actually the opposite. It's this white light and it's so calming, it's so peaceful, it's so amazing, so wonderful. And for years after that, I could see, okay, so that person is probably going to die within the next seven days, mm. and it's what? And people would normally think that the death angel is black, because that's the story everyone's being told. Mm. But it's actually the white light, this, this peace, this love following you. So you would see like a white orb around a person? Is that what you're saying? Not around them, behind them. And would you assume that that orb was an angel, like waiting for him? I think perhaps so, yes. It's different. Since I was little, everyone thought I was a bit crazy because I told this person is going to die. They asked me, but why? So there's a white orb there. And a week later, that person dies from various types of accidents, illnesses, crazy. It's Mm. so weird. Well, if it was an accident, then it would be like as if it was already meant to be. Exactly. And I believe everything is already lined up for you. All the accidents that happens on your life, it is meant to be. Mm. We... We have our, I believe, our free will to choose, but there will be an action of our choice we take. And either way, we will die. doesn't matter what choice we do. And it's quite fascinating to see the death, um, especially for young people where they think they still have their times. And I told my one friend who is very ill, Listen, yeah, I'm starting to see white around you. Just get mm. your affairs ready. And wow. she's like, well, I, don't tell me that. <laughs> and, yeah, she's in hospital. It's not going good with her. Do you still remember this experience as clear today as the day that it happened, or has it faded over time? No, it hasn't faded. Um, the more I talk about it now, the more it comes back. But I can remember the day, like I told you, when I was lying in bed thinking for a reason not to go to school, mm-hmm. the excuses that I could think of, every single detail, even my pajamas that I had to go exchange three times in one day for bigger sizes. I can remember the colors of the pajamas. I can remember, you know, what full bed number I was lying. I could, I remember the faces of the sisters, the doctors, everyone that took care of me. Do you have any negative after effects from this experience? The biggest negative thing is for me is the, Death realm, if I can say it like that. After my near-death experience, it's like I have this light around me where people that has passed on, I will see and they will bring me messages. And 
some of the messages that people don't want to hear and they mm. don't leave me alone until I deliver that message. Oh. Um, to give you an example, my husband had a friend and they, I didn't know her in any way. I didn't know her family history whatsoever. And I told her, your father had a child with another woman out of free, of, out of marriage. And it's a man and he's going to give you trouble regarding money when he's dead. And two weeks later, all of that that I told her, because her mother showed me everything, it happened. And luckily they were prepared for that situation. So sometimes it's not um, the easy thing to say to people because people want to hear if a loved one has passed, it's everything is okay or this is okay, this is okay, but it's never that. It's normally a warning of what's going to happen, what to take care of, um, warnings mainly. I guess it's a warning from the other side. I would assume, though, that still the person on the other side is okay. He's just delivering a warning, or she is. Exactly, yes. So they are happy as they are. They are in a brilliant place, Mm -hmm. but they are so concerned for that specific problem that's going to occur. Just to... um, how can I say it, just to protect them still, mm-hmm. like a guardian angel, if I can say it like that. Mm-hmm. Do you fear death at all? That what experience that I had was so peaceful. It was so loving. It was so caring. It was so emotion-free. Um, I think we as humans have so many different types of emotions that affect our thinking and our behavior. With in the death, I think you are, and there's nothing interfering with that happiness, that love, that um, I don't have a word for it. <laughs> it's like you are so so un bothered um you're happy you're lucky there's no pain no suffering just love do you feel like being there is more real than being here in this realm i believe so but i believe that this realm that we are living as humans we have a lesson to learn we have to complete our contracts for while we are here. And I believe in the afterlife, the death, it is an experience, but you will not remember that reason why you were here. And all the pain and suffering and heartbreak and everything that's part of your contract here on earth is going to be replaced by this love, this caring, this I can't I can't unconditional love basically. And that's it. What makes you think that we have a contract and we have lessons to learn here? 
for me personally, I believe with all the people that had so many near-death experiences, they all had a glimpse of their life where Jesus told them to do this or they saw God to do this or they saw a loved one telling them, your time isn't up. So if we didn't have a purpose or a contract to complete, there wouldn't be a near-death experience. People won't get back. And if people were to die and brought back to life, they won't have any of these experiences to come back for. And I believe there's people that it's off the contract trail and follow the wrong path, have a near-death experience to bring them back onto the path or to create the eyes for the real reality for the contract. What inspires you about your near-death experience? The biggest inspiring for me is the mysterious doctor, the angel. If an angel could, could come into an operating theater where a patient is almost dying and on a calm method tell a professional specialist doctor what to do knowing the body, there must be so many angels on earth in a human form talking to someone. And so many people I know have this experience where they would talk to a random person and no one has ever seen them. And this confirms that angels are still here with us, around us, and giving advice on what to do, what not to do. And in my experience, I believe that the doctor or the sister or the sleeping doctor was meant to be in that operating room at that specific time and date to witness this, for them to make them think that there's more to life than them just this world. Yeah, it's interesting to think about that perhaps you could meet somebody a stranger somewhere that helps you and that stranger could turn out to also be an angel. Very true. Um, I take it from time to time. People are at their utmost disappointment, heartbreak, sad, depressed state of mind. And then this random person who I believe it must be an angel comes and give you comforting words tell you that everything will be okay or go and do this instead don't buy into this deal um, and people take that for granted because we as humans are very focused on our own bubble we don't want to care or listen to what another person is thinking or opinion and here an angel comes knowing what's in your contract, telling you what to do. And I think that w- that's the biggest gift we can have on this earth. I wish we could talk to those doctors now and see what their opinion is on what happened. Funny enough, I was asking for them, the doctor, 
um, has changed his practice. I don't know where it is. And the hospital doesn't have the footage anymore. Because mm. I only by law supposed to keep it for five to eight years. And right. I'm sure someone's sorry, Jen? Oh, it's okay. Go ahead. I'm sure somewhere someone maybe took a video on their cameras or put it down, but I'm sure it will come out. I'm guessing there was nothing to show because the security cameras didn't show any doctor anywhere, right? Nothing. But the funny thing is that the doctor mentioned me is everyone was looking towards where the doctor stood so they could see someone was there and everyone in the room witnessed it. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It's quite scary and freaky and exciting at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We as humans get a pre-feeling, a sixth sense. And I think if you do get that, you need to face it. You need to embrace it. For example, when I was lying in bed thinking of an excuse not to go to school the following day to catch up on my study work, what excuse I could use. Um, imagine if I was in school and I had to fall down in pain or pass out in pain, I think it would have been a much bigger story or embarrassment story. So are you saying that you feel like you were kind of already warned not to go to school that day or you had that sixth sense? I think so, yes. Hmm. Because I didn't have a reason not to go to school. There was no test or nothing. I wasn't, I didn't want to go to school. Are you a religious person? And if so, has this experience changed your religious beliefs? Yes, I am. Um, but it's funny to say it like this. Um, I was a Christian. And I experience um, when I was 19, 20, I became a child of God. Um, Christian is a religion where people have rules and regulations. And God is a God that's un with unconditional love. He doesn't set rules to say, listen, yeah, um, you're not going to go to heaven because of this or this. He loves us the other way. And I believe that with this experience, my eyes was open to say that God loves me at the end of the day and I'm going back to him whether or not of my flaws, of my sins or my history. He's a forgiving, unconditional God. And I, I really hope people start to see that. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? And if so, how can they connect with you? Yes, yeah, sure. They're more than welcome to connect with me. I think the best would be on email. 
since I'm in South Africa. My email address is louw.villa, V-W-I-L-L-A, at gmail.com. Is it okay for me to put your email address in the description of the video? Yes, it's perfect. Okay, great. All right, well, before we finish up, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? Death shouldn't be feared. It's a wonderful experience. It's not a forever gone. It's a temporary goodbye for now. But the moment when you pass that pain, that adrenaline, either way, however you're going to die, it's not going to be even remembered. All that you will see and focus is on this white light and the other Luihalem, however you will experience it. Death is peaceful. It is beautiful. It's calming. It's loving. It is amazing. It's embracing. All right, Willa. Well, thank you for that message. And thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you for taking your time for the interview and talking to you. And it was wonderful meeting you. And keep up the great work. Likewise, and thank you. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.